Hello, Guilty Feminist. This is Deborah. We're heading off to Australia and New Zealand, where we will be appearing live and recording an episode in Christchurch on the 11th of May, Auckland on the 14th of May, Wellington on the 15th of May, Adelaide on the 18th of May, Perth on the 20th, Sydney on the 23rd, Melbourne on the 25th, Brisbane on the 27th, and finally Canberra on the 28th of May. So get in and get your tickets now. They are going very fast. Please go to guiltyfeminist.com and just click on live shows for any of these events. Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks, you're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen. I'm a feminist, but... I'm interrupting the beginning of my own podcast to let you know that the film I wrote and have a cameo in that also stars Sindhu V, Say My Name, will be getting a glamorous West End premiere at the Odeon Leicester Square on Tuesday, the 19th of March at 7.30pm. After the film, there will be a live Q&A. Connie Huck, I know, will interview me, the director, the producer and the actors. And I've asked the audience to make sure the Guilty Feminist listeners are included. You can get tickets, but you've got to get in quick by going to guiltyfeminist.com forward slash say my name. Now, they go on sale at 2 p.m. on Tuesday, the 5th of March. So get in as soon as possible. Now, I'm just going to declare so you know the dress code is glamorous and I am wearing a black plunging full length dress which is a tiny bit backless. You can wear whatever glamorous means to you. But I always like a phone call with my girlfriends before so we can compare and contrast. So I thought I would declare it now. That's what I'm wearing. I'm going to be taking loads of pictures. So I hope to see you there. I'm very proud of this film and I want to watch it with you more than anything. I'm a feminist, but last night I went on the Oscars Sky Cinema UK TV show. I was sitting on the sofa with Alex Zane and talking about winners and uh, predicting stuff. And I decided to wear like a a men's, not men's black tie, I shouldn't say men's black tie. I'm going to take that again. Even as I say that, I'm saying, why do they own it? I'm a feminist, but I can't get through this I'm a feminist Bart (laughs) without second-guessing myself. I decided to wear a tuxedo with trousers. And I somehow felt it was more feminist than a dress. Because... (laughs) Oh, there are rumblings, aren't there, amongst them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I somehow felt that if I dressed like a man, I was somehow, you know, I was part of this sort of revolution away from women having to corset themselves up. But then I thought about it and thought, are men's clothes fundamentally better? No, they're not. And also, are they as flattering? No. No, they're not. Shut up. You look fit, mate. But I did it. I did it. I went out in my trousers, questioning myself all the time, because I'm not very much of a trousers person. 
but I was so proud of myself for this clearly unimportant act. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a feminist, but last week I cried at the end credits of Finding Nemo, having not even seen the film. None of it. I cried at a list of names. (laughs) How is that possible? Was it the music, manipulative Disney music? Yeah, and there's still, the characters are still visible behind the names. (laughs) Yeah, but you don't know who they are. How do you care? No, just you just get the idea that yeah. a, a child's been lost and reunited with his yeah. parents. Yeah, and then there's some that you see leaping from a, a confinement in plastic bags back into the sea, but you don't see until very far into the credits that they never made it out of the plastic bags. <laughs> 35 now, years old. I'm a feminist, but when my glamorous co-presenters, actress Natalie Emmanuel and presenter Sarah Jane Crawford on the Sky Cinema Oscar sofa... <laughs> also came in tuxedo trouser suits. I was so relieved I'd done the right thing. So I am bang on Trent and Amy Poehler. And there was loads of women on the... Melissa on the McCarthy. Melissa McCarthy. I was bang on Trent. Here I was thinking I was being a maverick, a feminist I maverick. I think what you're meant to say is um, on fleek. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> I'm a feminist, but it takes me a third of a year to read even a small book. I'm so bad at carving out time for reading books that every single time I see anyone reading a book now, anywhere, I feel a twist of burning jealousy. I think, oh, well, good for you. Well done on your work-life balance, you smub public reading prick. And then I immediately feel horribly guilty and then think, all that time I was having that toxic, jealous thought I could have been reading a book. <laughs> I'm a feminist, but what Jessica Foster Q just said is true of me too, but I would never admit it. And so there's a part of me now that feels like she's a better feminist because she's more able, and I think this is true now, this is a true one, you're more able to say, this is my real dirtiest linen, whereas what I'm showing you is linen that I've worn once. And I'm saying, this is the dirtiest my linen gets. Oh, I'm so good for showing you my dirty linen. But, but my linen is so much dirtier than I've ever revealed on this show. It fit. can be quite... That's a fit thing to admit. But also, the difference there is, one, you're a, lot, like, you, a lot more people are aware of things you say out loud than people who are aware of things I say out loud. So there's more riding on it. How is that anyone that listens to this show hears everything you say as well as what I well, say? Well, this specific show, they will, yeah. Some of them might turn their ear away when you're not talking, Deborah. That's how loved you are. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't fucking blame them. Um, but also, I just am a filthy old... Filth, filth, a filthy old filth bag. You know, I'm just checking. I'm, all the things I want to say, I'm probably not allowed to say. But I just think you're very able to just be like, and you throw it on the table. My partner hates it, and my child will one day too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah I, I need to learn to not tell the world every single fucking yeah. thing about Babe, I didn't want to say I wanted to be your family. Yeah. I mean, that's... <laughs> definitely wouldn't want to live with you because it would all come up as it is it's just you tell the stories about you and I'll say things like oh that time that I was wearing a dinner jacket and had a little bit of a thought oh 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 I think there's something very sexy in that the mystique of that so you ready for some more sort of really brutal honesty yeah go on please be brutal Um, (laughs) 
I'm a feminist, but I got a crush on someone in the gym recently, and um, not only had I not had any conversation with them, I hadn't even seen their face. <laughs> Live from King's Place in London, the Spontaneity Shop presents The Guilty Feminist with me, Deborah Francis White, and guest co-hosts Jessica Foster-Hugh, and very special guests, Siobhan McSweeney and Nicola Copeland, talking about abortion in Northern Ireland. I had, like, one of the least feminist things that's ever happened to me happen tonight, in the sense that I was late because I missed my train because I was panic, like, turning my flat over, looking for my makeup bag. <laughs> oh. That would have um, made a good I'm a feminist part. Yeah, but I'd already prepared those, so I thought I'd just waste it in an anecdote. <laughs> um, I have to do so many well. of those throughout the year, I can't waste it any. Any, yeah. any hypocrisy or paradox in my life, I'm like, boom, that's mine. I mean, sometimes I have to act in ways that are morally dubious just to write those for you. <laughs> I and keep I want... a note in my phone and then if I don't co-host for too long I get impatient and just tweet it. <laughs> <laughs> I can't keep them in there too long. I like clearing a list too much. Oh, no. <laughs> Send them to me okay. and I'll pretend to be you. <laughs> but if I say something like, I'm a feminist but my sexist baby said this, you'll be like, you don't have a sexist Ooh. baby. That's Jessica foster Keys. <laughs> You're welcome to him. <laughs> I'm all right, thanks. <laughs> I'm good for white men. Um, he's not a white man yet, though. He's only a white boy toddler. Does it come out early? Yeah. Does he have a sense of entitlement oh. beyond, like, be, like I mean, that of an upper middle manager? I'm going to say. In a sort of. He's already London got a Ford Mondeo. <laughs> Does he interrupt you with, well, actually? We had a whole day last week where he started every sentence with, actually, actually, actually. No. Yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. That's <concerning. laughs> On the flip side, though, which is brilliant, already quite camp, so fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah. We can but dream. We can but dream. I would love to have a gay son. That's sort of my idea of heaven. <laughs> but like a grown one. I don't want a child at this point. I don't want to teach anyone to talk or walk. They just pick it up, that. <laughs> Literally, anyone that's what? going out of their way, they do. Like, I'm, I'm sure, like, if there was no-one else around, <laughs> they'd be in trouble. But, like, I don't know, I feel stressed out just at the thought of parents who are like, I'm just going to put a couple of hours in today to walking training or talking training. That is not... That, that is a waste of your life. Just talk out do loud and walk out loud and they will eventually copy it. Just do you think if you just walk in front of them, they will start doing it? I mean, that's literally copy. what happens, yeah. <laughs> well, they climb up a bit of furniture or sometimes you've got to hold the... put your finger out so they, it can hold your hand while it's <laughs> practising. But yeah, that hurts your back, so anyone who's even bothering with that, hats off, mate. <laughs> yeah, but remember that time we were in the park for your birthday and then we didn't know where Rudy was? Yeah, and he was in the river. No, he wasn't. He wasn't. But he had, he had walked quite a long way He'd with, a, really with a toddler. With his, and eventually, his best mate, Kai. And then eventually you sent your partner off to run after him. Yeah, who'd had a lot of rum. 
Yeah. Um, while you had another Chardonnay. <laughs> that, in a way, is walking training because it's see how far you can walk away from me while I drink this Chardonnay. <laughs> this is The Guilty Feminist, the podcast in which we explore our noble goals as 21st century feminists and the hypocrisies and insecurities which undermine them. I'm Deborah Francis White. With me is Jessica Foster and we are talking about repealing the North. That's right. We're talking about the issue of abortion in Northern Ireland. I've often thought when people talk about what's happening in America and they're trying to overthrow Roe versus Wade, I've often said, not publicly, but said to friends, like, yeah, but there's a part of our country where it is illegal and you can be arrested for having an abortion. And that's in our country. Like, we're pointing fingers at other countries. And I've had so many friends go, no, it isn't. And I go, yeah, it's illegal in Northern Ireland. I don't think anybody knows about it. And they it. have not known about it. But what one of our guests, Siobhan McSweeney, today backstage, I've said I never wanted to, like, I just felt like as someone who's living in London, what happens in Northern Ireland? Like, is it for me? And she said, oh, I see, you don't want to London-splain abortion to Northern Ireland. And I said, exactly. Because, you know, of the history of the world. (laughs) Beautifully put. Yeah. So I've always felt this, but now the call to arms is there. The Eighth Amendment has been repealed in Ireland, So abortion is now legal in Ireland, but in Northern Ireland, this is yet to happen. And so now this feels like a collaborative project of sisterhood to say, come on, we can't say that Northern Ireland is in the United Kingdom and also that Northern Ireland is part of Ireland. And in both of those places, women have the right to choose and access these services healthily under doctor supervision, but Northern Ireland is just left out in the cold. So it is time, sisters, to unite and do something about it. And right at the top, I want to say that uh, abortion does not just affect women, it also affects some non-binary people and some trans men. And it affects some cis women and not all cis women. This is a human issue. But uh, it is certainly something for feminism to make a prime focus. Please welcome to the stage the wonderful Jessica Foster Hello. I've <laughs> got some midweek clothes on and some Saturday shoes. Uh, <laughs> Sainsbury's. 15 quid. <laughs> right, right. Uh, ring, 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 ring. Hello, who's that? Oh, Guilty Feminist. Yay! Would I like to come on and do an episode? Oh, yay! Always. Do a bit of stand-up. Mm, yes, please. About abortion. Mm, uh. <laughs> Yes, fine. Easy fucking peasy. Thank you, Deborah, for this opportunity. Why do you think I'm making you go first? Yeah. Next time, if you could try and think of a harder topic to be funny about for me, please, because this is too easy. It's going to be a long five minutes. (laughs) No, let's talk about it. (laughs) Changing the law on abortion has to be up, I think, to the people of Northern Ireland. But the DUP and vicariously Westminster are effectively cock-blocking democracy. Why? Well, probably because they don't want to have all the great big palaver of preparing the campaign, growing it all themselves, and then once it's been delivered painfully, having to live with the result they inevitably didn't want for the rest of their waking lives. (laughs) 
much ironic. Uh, YouGov says that 75% of people in Northern Ireland would vote in favour of legalising abortion there. That's pretty solid, isn't it? Uh, there's not much will they, won't they about that. There's hardly any Bradley and Gaga, is it? I hope no one makes a documentary about it because it wouldn't have enough tension to be watchable. As it turns out, most people in 2019 think that it should be up to a woman whether or not she does one of the single most whole life transformative and mortally dangerous things possible to do with her body and the rest of her time on earth should be, most people think, up to her now, do they? What a shocker. I try to be so open-minded about these things because I know how emotionally imperative both sides of this debate are and as with almost all things, everybody with every opinion is desperately sure that they're morally right. Um, but on this particular topic of abortion, I'm going to quote one of my oldest friends, Maya, and say to pro-lifers, I respect your opinion, it's just that it's wrong. <laughs> As far as I'm concerned, I think the argument sort of against women's choice is accidentally another argument for it, because it often goes, but it's a life, that's a life. Whereas life, I think, is too broad a word. It could mean anything. In one sense, it could mean too little, because loads of things are alive. Kombucha is alive. <laughs> and in the other sense, I think it means too much. Um, oh, that makes me think, yes, a whole fucking life, a whole person, I've got one. Have you got any idea how hard they are not to ruin even when you wanted them? I've got a three-year-old who I desperately wanted. I should put that, I shouldn't put that in the past tense. Um, <laughs> I've got a three-year-old who I desperately wanted and want. Uh, and there are times where it's impossible to cope, let alone do well, and I've got every single possible privilege going for me. So imagine if I hadn't. Look, I've always hated people telling me what to do with my body, even when it's their job because they're my personal trainer. <laughs> I hate all demands that strangers make of my body. I don't even like it when someone says, say cheese. Go away. Um, when my mum hints that I ought to learn how to blow dry my hair nicely, ah, kiss my dick. Um, I do, I react like I'm 13 again. I could never go on Strictly because I just refuse to learn to dance. Can you imagine it? One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. Check your hands. Check the angles of your arms. One, two, three, four. Where's she gone? Pub. <laughs> and it's the worst for the personal trainer. I've only ever had one personal trainer and all oh, the storms she's had to weather for me. <laughs> I don't like people telling me what to do with my body. From the off, she was up against it, right? On our very first meeting, she said, what do you want to get out of this? And I said, I want to be stronger and fitter. And she went, cool, okay. But then I went on. <laughs> I said, also, never tell me what or how much to eat. Don't ever comment on my weight or size. Don't ask me to look at myself. Oh, and also I don't like being out of breath. <laughs> it's frankly the equivalent of going on a dating app with a profile that said, seeking eighth wife, looking for someone with a high pain threshold and a third nipple, also must like snakes. <laughs> She was up against it. Somehow she kept it together, but on the inside, emotionally, I imagine she must have felt like the Titanic. Not when it set off now. <laughs> Titanic now. Sometimes she'd ask me to do things with my body, right, because that's her job, um, like a pull-up or whatever. And even though, you know, she's someone who I had paid to tell me what to do with my body, I couldn't help myself. I'd just go, fuck off! <laughs> What's more worrying is that she, well, luckily laughed, but then began to get used to it. And she'd be like, gorgeous, this girl can. I'd be like, no, hashtag, this girl can't. And she'd open, like, sessions by saying, I'm going to work you so hard that like, you give me loads of verbal abuse today. I think, 
job, this isn't good. So then I'd put the verbal abuse in really polite terms, like, um, well, please may you, if you don't mind, actually, and it doesn't put you out too much, could you manage to do it without too much hassle, then could you please maybe fuck off? <laughs> all that from me she had to deal with, and all she was ever asking me to do was an extra burpee or a press-up, not have a whole fucking baby I didn't want. Um, thanks. <laughs> Friends, please welcome to the stage Deborah Francis White. I was thinking about this topic, and I was thinking. It's often an emotional topic. Um, it's a difficult topic. So I thought, do you know what? I might go on the internet and find some really amazing poetry about a woman's right to choose and like read it out and sort of do like a poetry reading segment. And I was Googling and I sort of like found poems written by teenagers about abortion. I thought, oh, this could be really interesting. And then it was all these poems that were like, I had a baby inside of me, but then I decided to kill it and then cried forever. Genuinely, those were the poems. It was awful. Every single poem was a poem about regret, uh, using really emotive language. And I thought, well, clearly, so I'll do pro-choice poems. I put Google pro-choice poems. It was the same. They were all leading you back to a trap. There's so much poetry on the internet that is deliberately there lying as a trap for a woman who is thinking about her right not to have her body change in these dramatic ways and to grow a tiny bunch of cells into her body into something that is irreversible. And listen, there must be lots of pro-choice poetry, but honestly, it's hidden so far down on Google that with a good half hour, I couldn't find any. So I thought, I'm going to have to write some. Now, I know many people here may have already written it, but I couldn't find it, and that really troubled me because Google is meant to be this sort of space of equality and space of choice. If Google isn't a pro-choice space, what is it? The whole concept of Google is choose what you want to look at. Surely, what's a search engine if it is not the right to choose? Dot com. <laughs> Every single thing you're doing, you have to choose, you know, a kitten in a basket with a rat. Choose, right? A rat in a basket with a dog. Choose. A dog in a basket with a man choose that's every all of google is it's all it is it's a choice mulch a sort of choice recycling bin isn't it that's what it is you go in there it's like a jumble sale of everything in the whole world how is it that i can't find any pro-choice poetry on there so the people that do not want women to have a right to choose have obviously gone out of their way to just paper the internet with poetry in order to seduce I think specifically young and vulnerable women who are in an emotional place to not have all the information to hand. And this is what's increasingly happening at the front of family planning clinics as well. So I've written something uh, because I felt angered about the whole choice situation. Men take power, and power is choice. They choose to abuse it, or choose to use it kindly. How big of them? They are in general bigger, and that's why it was decided by them that they'd make the best choosers. Whatever level of society they stride, sit, stand, or crawl in, the women they love have less choice 
less voice than the boys they grow on their insides and offer no choice whether to invent them at all and bring them into a world rich with choice at their own expense for the cycle to begin again. I cannot stop this, but I can choose today to say this. Choice is not a cis male right and a female privilege granted us when and if men are ready. Revisionists say we women have always been decisionists, but together we will fight for choice. And when we win the right to right our wrongs, rejoice. Thank you. Hello, Guilty Feminist. It's me, Deborah Francis White, briefly interrupting your listening with a few quick announcements. On last week's show, we talked to Laura Wade and Catherine Parkinson about their play Home I'm Darling. I saw it a few days ago, and I have to say, Tom Zielinski and I were completely riveted. It's brilliant. I haven't been this riveted since I watched Mad Men. It's a genuinely wonderful piece of writing. It explores so many feminist themes. Catherine and the rest of the cast are truly fantastic. And there's loads of 50s dancing in it and an upstairs downstairs set and some incredible clothes. What more do you want? It's a guilty feminist dream. It's at the Duke of York's Theatre in London until the 13th of April and then it's touring around the UK. That's home I'm darling. I'm delighted to say this podcast has been nominated for a Chortle Award. Nominations are decided by a panel of experts from Chortle, but winners are decided by the public. You are our public. If you'd like us to win the award, you need to vote. We've put a link in the show notes and on the Guilty Feminist website. We can click through and vote. There are lots of Guilty Feminist friends to vote for in other categories, including today's guests, the Derry Girls. Do you want to come to a live recording of The Guilty Feminist and hang out backstage with me and the other comedians? Or perhaps you'd like to have dinner with me and Sindhu V and talk about feminism over cocktails? Thanks to the wonderful people at Comic Relief, those dreams can become a reality. Those are just two of the prizes on offer at the Comic Relief Prize-a-thon. It costs only £10 to enter, but you can enter as many times as you like. Just Google Comic Relief Prize-a-thon for all the details. The Guilty Feminist is going on tour in May. Me and some of your favourite Guilty Feminist comedians are pitching up into your town and we are going to have the all-singing, all-dancing night of your life. These shows will not be recorded, so the only way to find out what's in them is to come and see us live. Our third week of touring starts on the 15th of May when we will be in Cardiff, then we're going to Cambridge, Aylesbury, Bournemouth and Oxford. We're going to be all over the UK, so go to guiltyfeminist.com or Ticketmaster to see all the dates and times. My book, The Guilty Feminist, is still available from all good bookshops, but if you'd like me to read it to you with some help from the amazing Adjua Ando, you can get the audiobook version by going to audible.co.uk and searching for The Guilty Feminist. And Global Pillage, the amazing diversity-paced comedy panel show starring you, the hive mind of the audience, is back and recording more live episodes on the afternoons of 23rd and 24th of March. Go to kingsplace.co.uk to book your tickets and come and play for Hive Mind Glory. Also, don't forget to check out Grown Up Land on BBC Sounds, another Spontaneity Shop podcast. Now, back to The Guilty Feminist. So, you've got an idea for a business. The store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out. 
everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media, source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Our guests today are both stars of the amazing sitcom Dairy Girls, but are here with Amnesty International. Please welcome to the stage Nicola Coughlin and Siobhan McSweeney. So, you both work on the brilliant sitcom Derry Girls. Could you please, for anyone who hasn't seen it, and immediately will after this, just explain what Derry Girls is? It's a buddy cop show where me and Siobhan solve crimes across America. That's not the one I've seen. It's, it's the one you should see. No, it's not, it's not that at all. It's, do you want to explain what it actually is? Um, it's a coming-of-age comedy set in Northern Ireland in the 90s, following a group of girls and one confused... I didn't know I knew this. Uh, it's very good. <laughs> yeah. well done. Uh, um, uh, girls and one confused wee English fella in secondary school during the Troubles based on the writer's, Lisa McGee's, own experiences, obviously exaggerated for comic effect. <laughs> Hopefully. That's, that's the official and, uh, It was Channel 4's most successful comedy launch since 2004. <laughs> Which is really unusual because women aren't funny, so I don't know what... <laughs> the channel might have got stuck, or I don't know, it was strange, right? They expected 500,000 for episode one, and we got two and a half million. Wow. Which was, no one it was is incredibly funny. Yeah. And you oh. play one of the schoolgirls. Yes, I play Claire Devlin, the wee lesbian. The wee lesbian. And you play a nun. I was asked to play one of the girls, but um, <laughs> I decided instead to go for the older, uglier nun. You are Thank both you, you're welcome. Phenomenally brilliant today. Thank you for doing that. I feel seeing you sitting next to each other, though, that it's so weird to see you as friends because you're the teacher. Yes. Yeah, people get weirded out when we're drinking pints with Sister Michael. They're like, oh, <laughs> very strange. It's a very female sitcom. Yeah. And it's sort of a uniquely female experience, but it's just got a lot of dimension to it. And it's yeah. very, very, very funny and unapologetically I want to say it's a searing is the word but that sounds yeah, like I'm in a restaurant it, and I'm ordering was, something it was a way like getting that script felt really unusual because you get comedy scripts and Siobhan said they can be very thinly drawn sometimes or you know there's this is the gay character this is the popular character and Derry Girls didn't feel like that it's even though the characters were big they still felt like real people it's such an amazing script and we do have so much fun working on it and together and we do hang out a lot outside and I started telling people that Channel 4 gave us £50 whenever we spent time together and put a photo on Instagram people were like do they? I was like no <laughs> we, just, we, just, we just actually like each other but here tonight you're here with Amnesty International yes um, could you please tell us why oh look <laughs> no it's like I changed my mind bit. actually <laughs> I don't want to. I'm a feminist, but I'd much rather talk about shoes. 
I can feel it in the audience. I can feel it from the pair of you. I cannot believe we still have to have this bloody discussion. It's so boring and it's so fundamental and it's there's no discussion to be had I feel the north of Ireland has been neglected so much that it is still operating under Victorian law that criminalizes and convicts convicts northern Irish women and people who can get pregnant for accessing abortion services it's the strictest law in most of Europe and therefore Europe-centric the world Um, (laughs) And it's bullshit, and we all know this. We all know this. And I think we can talk about abortion, the ins and outs of abortion, and, you know, we will. (laughs) (laughs) And you will will cheer. Um, (laughs) But it's sort of indicative of a greater thing, which is the North being neglected. And uh, we can see it with the other boring topic of Brexit. Can we... Seriously, shoes. Shoes are great. (laughs) Let's go back to shoes. So, uh, we're here because tomorrow, which will be the 26th of... uh, What month are we in? Yeah, I did that too. I think it's February. Sure, why not? Um, (laughs) We will be doing in... in, in, uh, We're doing a march through Westminster, basically, to the Northern Irish office. We're bringing a petition that's currently standing at about 62,000 signatures to decriminalise abortion in Northern Ireland. Uh, the petition is still up on the Amnesty website, so we'll encourage you all at a later point in this whole night to sign it. But yeah, we're carrying those, and 28 women are coming with us on this march, and they represent the 28 women that travel each week from Northern Ireland to mainland UK to accident abortion. Which is legal all over the UK, but not yeah. in Northern Ireland. And is now legal in the Republic, but not in the six countries of Northern Ireland. So, clown, yeah. And you're going to actually march towards Westminster. A suitcase march. We're going to have those little um, uh, suitcase trolleys, you know, wheelie the, bag. The, the wheelie bag. The ones there you can go. bring on your lingus, but not Ryanair. Yeah. <laughs> the, I, I hate Ryanair. <laughs> That's my other agenda I came here to talk about. Yeah, yeah. I feel like Dairy Girls could be sponsored by Ryanair if they wanted. <laughs> yeah. But they don't. Yeah. Um, so They're good you, for tripping people up as well, them little bags. That's yeah, they're useful weapons, actually. Yeah, you'll be um, like, it looks like you're we, like, those are people much with a cause that they really care about. Little do they know you're also tooled up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a lot of shoes in there. <laughs> so who are you taking this to in Westminster? Because I feel like Theresa May was going to do this, but then she needed to do this deal with the DUP, and so she's put it off. An uncharacteristically self-serving... <laughs> decision to align herself to a party that is uh, deeply out of step with uh, the humanity values, the values of almost all her constituents even the worst ones and as Jess says humanity and it's so unlike her it's just it well I was know, shocked I, I just want to write to her and go Theresa May Teresa, are you okay what are you doing? I texted you okay, her I texted her I was babe. like Titi what's up what's really? Tessa oh my god is happening come on come on talk it out talk it out Um, so she's made this deal with GP and because of Brexit all of this has been put off well there's also an added issue in that Northern Ireland uh, doesn't have a government anymore and it has had no government for the last two years the longest non-acting government in the world ever I believe Belgium were the proud owners of that title for a little while but no 
On came Stormont and uh, hold and my Guinness. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> also, oh, I feel like it's important for us to say at this point, neither Siobhan and I are Northern Irish. But um, also the other girls who were in the show wanted to be here, but they're all more successful than us currently. So they're all working and they couldn't be here. So lucky you guys that we are here. Basically, we're here because people in Northern Ireland, since our show has come out, we've had such an amazing response and they have been so good to us. So I think that's why we feel like it's important that we kind of speak up for them and we try and give back to them as much as they've given to us, basically. The Repeal the Eighth movement in the Republic was uh, extraordinary. We were both involved in that, but that was aided by the people of Northern Ireland. And now it's our turn to, to give back. To, yeah, to give back. And going back to my previous point about the government not existing, I don't think it's that much in our press that Northern Ireland don't Which, have again, a functional government. Which again is part of the greater, uh, the greater issue here. We also in the North, gay marriage isn't legal. There's no... Uh, our, our show is set in 94. My character is gay, but she still couldn't get married today. So it's... Yeah. yeah. It's yeah, kind of a thing that a lot of... Like, their government in the Republic and, you know, here in Westminster kind of take a this-is-not-our-problem approach. Northern Ireland, you're like, well, it's somebody's fucking problem, so you should deal with it. Uh, yeah. It's somebody's fucking problem. is quite a good slogan for this. It's yeah. on our suitcases. <laughs> Hashtag Theresa May. It's somebody's fucking problem. Can I just say, we're just brainstorming. Amnesty have not approved that slogan. <laughs> And will not, ever. Just to be clear, I'm an Amnesty ambassador and I can say from experience, no. They'll be saying, Deborah, no. So who are you going to take these suitcases to tomorrow? The uh, Secretary for State uh, for Northern Ireland, Karen Bradley, who will not be there. Why won't she be there? Uh, she's got other pressing engagements, unfortunately. Like? Uh, perhaps learning about the province she claims to have an interest in <laughs> and takes a wage for. Watch out Wikipedia, somebody's gonna be Googling the north of Ireland tonight. And shoes. Did she, did you say backstage, are we allowed to say this, that she didn't really know much about Northern Ireland? No, you, you, you know this, right? Yeah. yeah. She earns a wage, she has a salary, that's annoying, I'm a freelancer. Um, she, she said in an interview, and I'm paraphrasing, and I'm being kind to her, uh, and saying, uh, guys, did you know that there are like two different sides? And like, the unionists like vote with the unionists, and they don't get on with the Republicans, and oh, it's like, what basic, basic, basic stuff basic stuff and again this is not a stupid woman this is not a woman who's not in you know isn't able to know these things she's not bothering to know these things and there's that attitude when it comes to the north that means that we have to be up here Galway and Cork living in London have to be up here it means that there's no marriage equality in the north it means that there's no government for two years there are civil servants running the north of Ireland with a reducing pot of money which isn't being refilled and with no political mandate whatsoever there's a huge problem with suicide there's huge mental health issues in the north no wonder Derry Girls was fantastic because it gives a little bit of laughter when it comes to that province comes to that country it is neglected and it's part of the UK. Ye wanted it, ye got it. Deal with it. <laughs> and shoes. 
you are a brilliant advocate for it, both of you are, but I feel like you're a phenomenal... I mean, have you thought about going into Northern Irish politics, Siobhan, <laughs> with the slogan, you wanted it, now deal with it? It's How somebody's... I enter every room. <laughs> <laughs> it's somebody's fucking problem. You want How it. I go into auditions. Now deal with it. <laughs> um... <laughs> I'm currently unemployed. So, uh, what can we do to help? Do you need help tomorrow taking the suitcases to <laughs> Karen Bradley? Who I love how polite that request was. Would you like some help? Would you like, do you want um, we need you on social media. We need, because I think even when the referendum was happening in the Republic, there was a lot of people who didn't know about it because it wasn't getting the same press coverage over here. So the hashtag that's kind of the official, unofficial hashtag is uh, now for NI or the North is next. Abortion is not a crime. Abortion is not a crime is another one, yes. But yeah, the petition would be amazing. Sign. Just to raise awareness would be a huge thing. And this sounds very basic, but all these problems are because of a lack of awareness. We don't need to talk about abortion rights. We know what we feel about it. We know what the legal situation is. The actual lack is in awareness and knowledge. And it sounds a bit pithy. It sounds a bit... Uh, or oh, social media, but that's what it's good for. It's actual awareness. It does, I promise you, help. And it's the one thing that's lacking in the North is awareness and knowledge about the place. So if we could all get our phones out now, take them off aeroplane, and everyone who's got access to Twitter, Brilliant. is there something that we could all collectively tweet here now, and then podcast listeners, when you're listening at home, yes. uh, you could perhaps... Uh, get your phone out now, wherever so, you are, if you're in range. The and last um, three posts that I shared on my Twitter, it's at Nicola Coughlin, C-O-U-G-H-L-A-N. Sorry, my name is like, not like Tom Dunn. Sorry, that's a DJ in Ireland. That's confusing. Um, but, um, but I've shared the petition like three times in my last three tweets, so it should be okay, there. The so links are on yours as well. So I have two. My name is Tom Dunn. <laughs> um, four times I've retweeted it. Um, yes, or hashtag... Hashtag now for NI. Hashtag the North is next. We don't mean like Bradford, you know, the North is next. And hashtag the very obvious abortion is not a crime. Okay, so we're all going to tweet. Hashtag now this for is NI. Wonderful. Hashtag. Thank you. And can we at Karen Bradley? Oh, yes. And can we at Amnesty UK? I'm so sorry yes. for Amnesty any other women UK. called Karen Bradley. Well, we, we should check her. Should we check? We've sure got an amnesty rep in. Yes. Lucy? Should we check with her and I've, then do it I've at the top it. of the first... <laughs> Have you added Karen Bra Bradley? I want, don't add Karen Brady from The Apprentice. It's not her fault. She's... Hey, hey. Hey. Lucy, would you pop out? Can you come and sit here? This is Lucy from Amnesty International, everyone. Hey. Wonderful amnesty. Thank you so much for organising this. Okay, so Lucy, what would you like us uh, to collectively hashtag here? Um. <laughs> okay, what do you think? Nick say on the Karen Bradley, okay? Just no, do we, can we, can we, what do you think? Um, yeah, I think go for it. Yeah, that's official. I think it's fine. I mean, she's the one with the power. Will we tell people her official? Should we add Theresa May as well? Because I feel like... Karen's... <laughs> oh, can we find... This is Have you got your phones out? Has this anyone is... else got any ideas for this? Because this is a collective thing. You don't just need to do what we're saying. I've got a couple more, if I can. At in Penny Mordant, <coughs> um, who also... Um, lady who I'm working with, Bonya, who's working on this tirelessly, um, 
says we can definitely do Karen and can we also tag in Penny Mordaunt um, and her surname is spelled M-O-R-D-A-U-N-T. Yeah. Done it. Okay. And maybe the NIO Gov at NIOGov as well. I've just got And if you could also put in Penny Morden, P-E-N-N-Y-M-O-R-D-A-U-N-T. Don't play Candy Crush. And what's the Karen Bradley one? It's Karen Bradley underscore MP, but heads up, she hasn't even got an avatar. What? She hasn't even got a picture, it's a protected account, but that is the only one that comes up for her. The rest... Wow, collective activism. Okay, so what you want is an at Romilly Dennis, R-O-M-I-L-L-Y-D-E-N-N-Y-S. And then we're also doing at Penny Mordant, M-O-R-D-A-U-N-T, at N-I-O-Gov. And we're doing hashtag, now for, now for N-I. N-I, hashtag... The North is next. The North is next. Hashtag abortion is not a crime. And then anything else you want to add, no profanities. You know, I liked Northern Ireland. You wanted it. Now deal with that. But don't do that because it's official amnesty business. Do that on your own time. No, it's funny. Um, Okay. And shall we at Amnesty UK? Yes, please. At Amnesty UK would be great. At Amnesty UK. And if you've already done one tweet, you could do another one in another hour or something like that. I'm doing mine now then, am I? Yeah, go for it. Ready, steady, send. Okay, and if we That's all fantastic. do it at the same Thank time... You. Anna has immediately RT'd. Thanks, Anna. We'll get some trending going. You could also add, please RT, please retweet, and that'll get other people retweeting it. So we're all going to get involved with this. Often, you know, we obviously also want the podcast listeners to get involved as well, mm-hmm. but this is happening tomorrow, so we're really relying on you as our grassroots feminist activists who've come out tonight. Can I plug something? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I know we've done all the important stuff, but also I've got a podcast called Hoovering and a new show called Hench. Can you listen to that and come to that? Thanks. Awesome. I should also ask you guys, is there anything you'd like to plug? Dairy Girls is starting on the 5th of March, uh, season two. It's moved to Tuesdays at 9.15. So, so apparently that's a fancy slot. I mean, I don't know, I guess it's a big deal. So it's, it's fine, whatever. Yeah. And they so, care about the overnight. So if on the first Tuesday you could actually watch it, yes, I know then we'd then just feck off, like I no, because I don't I don't watch television at the time I'm asked to watch it anymore. I know it doesn't matter anymore, but they do for television. It still matters. So if you could try and watch it on the night, or just put your telly on and go out, it's fine. <laughs> um, it's the same. Uh, just same maybe tweet, tweet about it. Go, oh, I'm so excited to see Derry Girls tonight. To try and get the hype. And I say this seriously and earnestly because if we don't watch it, what they conclude is, oh, shows with women don't work. If we don't watch a show with men at the heart, they just go, that show didn't work. So if we don't support female-driven-led created programs when they're on, we don't get any more for ages. So it's a feminist act to support Dairy Girls please watch it and it helps broadcasters understand we are thirsty for this stuff. And even though it is a comedy, it's quite an accurate if not exaggerated depiction of Northern Ireland during the 90s. And it's Lisa Mickey who wrote it, it's her story and also it shows, it gives what 
Northern Ireland often doesn't get, which is a time to shine a spotlight on it and how hilarious the people are there and how lovely the culture is and what a beautiful part of the world it is. And it, that's really worth celebrating. And the women are class. And the women are class. What a class. Thank you genuinely so much yes, for doing thank that. You. That's fantastic. Thank you. You have been listening to The Guilty Feminist with me, Deborah guest co-host Jessica Fossicu, and our very special guests, Nicola Cochran, Angela Gore, Max Sweeney. The recording engineer was Chris Sharp. Music was by Mark Hodge. The producer was Tom Selinski for the Spontaneity Shop. This is Zoe, Jacob, Sally and everyone at King's Place, as well as all of you for listening. For more information about this and other episodes, visit guiltyfeminist.com. Than if you bring it to a dead stop um, for him. God, do you know what? You've... No, I'm not going to say that. <laughs> I, just, say... I was about to say something really filthy and it's really early in the night. <laughs> do you think it's too early for them to take it? I don't know. Do you want to hear the filth? <laughs> they would like I to. Do you know what, that, what you just said there reminded me of a recent wank where the. <laughs> The end point was like such an extraordinary like spasm. I pulled a massive um, muscle in my tum. <laughs> it's new. Every silver lining. When you said it was filthy, I thought you meant, oh, I've thought of it like a filthy joke or metaphor. No, I was telling you about my wank. But because you, you were saying it's better so if you... so well you injured yourself. Yeah. You required first aid. Yeah. No, from a I little mean, a re- just a rest. <laughs> just a rest and a stretch. I feel now that my life is lacking. You never know when it might happen. I wasn't expecting it. I don't know why I've told you about it. <laughs> It was all feeling a bit Monday night, wasn't it? Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.